Chapter 12 of Helen Lester. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Helen Lester by Pansy. Chapter 12 Eddie's Good Night. It was a bright, beautiful May day. The sun was shining and the birds were singing. The lawn at Mr. Lester's had never looked more beautiful nor the little brook rippled more merrily. But the lawn was deserted. Old Neptune walked sadly round and round, and wondered why nobody came to play with him. What was the matter? Where were Fred and Helen and Louise and little Eddie? Fred, from his window, saw the old dog, Eddie's playfellow, and dashed away the tears, as, hearing a step in the hall, he went hastily out and inquired, how is he now? Eddie was very, very sick. He lay on his little bed, tossing restlessly from side to side, while the fever burned in his cheeks and gave a wild brightness to his blue eyes. They were a sad, tearful family now at the Lester's. Mrs. Lester never left her darling's side, and the other members of the household wandered restlessly from room to room, unable to do anything or think of anything, except that the pet of the family was burning with fever. But, toward the sunset of this May day, Eddie's little restless form was still. The red had faded from his cheek, and his eyes were closed. "'How quietly he is sleeping,' whispered Louise. "'Oh, I'm sure he is better.' The family were all gathered in Eddie's room, Dr. Holmes was there, and anxious eyes were trying in vain to read his face, as he held the little white hand in his. Presently he said simply, "'Give him his medicine every hour as usual. I will be in again this evening.' Mr. Lester and Cleveland followed him out. "'Well, doctor,' said the anxious father nervously. Dr. Holmes's face was very grave." Mr. Lester, I have done all that man can do for your little one. You, you don't think... And Mr. Lester stopped abruptly. Is there any hope, doctor? said Cleveland. Slowly, with those earnest eyes watching him, the doctor shook his head. He is sinking rapidly. I am afraid he will not rally again. Mr. Lester's face settled into a rigid self-control, and he spoke in a low, hard voice. "'Tell your mother, Cleveland, I cannot.' Cleveland went back to the sick room. They were all waiting for him. "'Dear mother,' he said, bending over her, and speaking very gently, "'can you not trust your darling to the Savior?' "'Don't, Cleveland, don't. I can't bear it. He is not going to die. He is better. Don't you think he is? But Eddie's blue eyes unclosed, and he spoke feebly. Mama. My darling, my precious baby, you will not leave Mama, will you? Cleveland stepped lightly to the door and beckoned his father forward, and the sweet, childish voice continued. Mama, I've had such a beautiful dream. I thought there were angels all around me, and I heard music, and I saw Jesus. I wanted to go with him, only I wanted you and Papa and all to come, too. It was beautiful up there. 
I wanted to tell you about it, and, oh, where's Cleveland? And as his eyes fell on his brother, he said eagerly, He did, he did have a crown for me. Then his eyes closed wearily, but he opened them again with a sweet smile to say, Good night, Mama. I am so tired. I'll tell you the rest in the morning. How very still the room grew. Mrs. Lester bowed her head over the golden one on the pillow and fairly held her breath to catch the sound of his faint breathings. A mist seemed to swim before Helen's eyes. She felt faint and dizzy. She looked around for Cleveland. He was supporting Cornelia with his arm. Dr. Holmes came in softly. No one heeded him. Suddenly, Cleveland's slow, firm tones broke the silence. Jesus said, Suffer little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And almost at the same moment, Dr. Holmes said, He is gone. Poor Helen! She felt as if the world had all turned black. What should she do? What would become of her? She thought her poor little heart was breaking. Cleveland had carried his mother, white and lifeless, to her room. Cornelia, too, had fainted, and now he was bending over her. Louise was in the nursery, sobbing, and locked the door. And there, on his little bed, lay the still, marble form of her idol. How Helen lived through the rest of that day she never knew. She couldn't cry, the tears refused to come. She couldn't think, and her head throbbed almost to bursting. It was late in the evening when Cleveland answered a low knock at his mother's door. "'If you would come, sir, and speak to Miss Helen,' said poor Jane in a troubled tone. "'She is in such a way. She hasn't eaten a mouthful of anything, and she won't speak to anybody, nor listen to what any of us say.' She just sits out there on the piazza, in all the damp, like a stone, and we're just afraid that she'll catch her death. Cleveland went softly out to her, and bending down, drew her close in his arms. My dear little Nellie, cannot you, either, trust him to Jesus? Oh, Cleveland! And Helen laid her head on his shoulder and sobbed aloud. He let the tears come for a few minutes, then talked low and earnestly to her. His father opened the door and called him. "'Now, Nellie,' said he, rising, "'won't you be brave and strong for Papa and Mama's sake, and for Jesus' sake?' "'I'll try,' said Helen, wiping away the tears. "'Jane,' said Cleveland, "'will you get Nellie a cup of tea and something to eat? And then she will go to bed.' and, giving her a very tender, loving kiss, he went back to his mother. He couldn't have given Helen a harder task that night than to eat her supper. It seemed to her that every mouthful would choke her, but she ate it. End of chapter 12